Welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. We want to give a shout out to any new listeners who are joining us for the very first time. We're happy to have you on board. For those of you who have been here from the start, you already know the drill. We live and die by this team just like the rest of you, and we make no apologies for that. I'm your host, Jason Kelly, coming to you from Canton, Massachusetts. If you want to find us on Twitter, you can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining me tonight from Reading, Pennsylvania is Micah Storms. Micah, how are you? I'm doing great, Jason. This, even though it is a stressful time to be a Red Sox fan right now, especially not knowing what they're going to do come the trade deadline, this is probably my favorite 10-day stretch of the MLB season. I just love the anticipation of the trade deadline. And it just, it's exciting. So I'm ready to go. Um, but I would be even more ready to go if I knew the Red Sox were going to be buyers. But I couldn't tell you what they're going to do. Yeah, the hot stove is active. Uh, the, the embers have been lit. So it's, it is definitely that time of year. So going to be interesting to see what happens. Also joining us tonight from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, by way of Wyndham, Maine, is Terry Cushman. Terry, how's it going? A little stressed out, you know, with how things are trending. Uh, I'm the biggest fire bloom guy on the podcast. Um, it's just, it, there's a lot of scenarios running through your head, and it's hard to process them all. It's hard to interpret everything. Um, what, what each little thing means, uh, in terms of how the Red Sox might approach the deadline. It's just, it's, I, the, the one deadline, you know, we all had fun with was the Schwarber one, you know, we were competitive. I, I don't remember if we were leading the division at that point, but, um, Man, we knew something exciting was going to happen, and right now we don't. We're we're pretty sure, you know, nothing too exciting will happen uh, in terms of acquisitions. But but we'll get into it. Yeah, I mean, as of right now, we are eleven days away from the MLB trade deadline, so it's coming up real fast. Less than two weeks. The Red Sox are just coming off a real disappointing series in Oakland. Um, they've got the Mets coming up. They've got the Braves after that. Not exactly an easy stretch heading into the deadline. And the statements, quotes from Ian Bloom lately have pretty much suggested that unless the Red Sox win every single game, these next 11 days may not be big buyers at the deadline. Um, maybe more looking at selling. Maybe looking at just standing pat, making small moves here and there, and basically just keeping the same team going forward. I mean, I joke about it all the time, but it's true. This Red Sox team in years past likes to use, you know, injured players coming back as trade deadline acquisitions. So it wouldn't shock me if the Red Sox say, well, we didn't feel the need to make a move because Chris Sale is our deadline move. Trevor Story is our deadline move. Um, you know, Pablo Reyes is coming back etc etc reese mcguire is our deadline move um they've done that in years past so it wouldn't shock me if they do that again but either way it's decisions have to be made in terms of the team not just for the future but 
for the 2023 season, what do they want to be? Do they want to be just a bridge team that's waiting for the mayors, the Yorks, the, you know, the blaze Jordans, uh, you know, of the world to come up or are they a team that's just a couple games out of the wild card that wants to really make a push and go for it? Because we talked about it on our previous show that the AL East, apart from Baltimore, is starting to slip a little bit. The Yankees are slipping. The Rays have finally started to show some vulnerability. The Blue Jays have been slipping. Um, and the American League in general is there for the taking in terms of slipping into one of those wild card spots. The Red Sox just need to be aggressive and do it. So my question to you guys to start this is, what do you think, honestly, High and Bloom is going to do with the deadline? Assuming that nothing changes. Let's say the Red Sox do what they usually do. They lose two out of three of the Mets, but they you know, split with Atlanta, and then they win two out of three of the next series heading into the deadline. Right? They just kind of stay even, stay around 500. What do you honestly think – High and Bloom and the Red Sox want to do. Terry, I'll start with you. I mean, if you read the tea leaves, it, it looks like Bloom wants to sell. And Chris Cotillo of Mass Live published an article uh, today making the case that Bloom could do similarly what he did last year sell a few pieces, but acquire a couple other ones to, that are serviceable. Um, you know, you're, this is why I, I hate his article. He was mentioning trading Justin Turner uh, and Chris Martin. I think you sink yourself right then. That's catastrophic. And you can make the, the Bluminati will come in and say, well, you're, you're gaining Trevor's story. So that could offset Justin Turner. And I don't think it will. I mean, we don't know who Trevor Story is yet in Boston. He hasn't had a normal spring training. He hasn't been healthy. Um, he's going to have some rehab starts. I mean, if he's off the charts, then you know maybe maybe you can get a little excited. But um, but you know he's had a problem with strikeouts throughout his career, and you know we'll see. But under no circumstances can you trade those two players and still hope to be competitive. You can't do it. And he's and Catillo is only speculating here. I, you know, I have to be fair and point that out, but he's speculating that perhaps that's what bloom has wanted all along. And that just, that infuriates me. Like, why are we tolerating losing? I just, I don't get it. I miss winning so bad. I miss winning. I miss being that aggressive big market team that was just so thirsty for the next championship. And we're not getting that. And on top of everything else, and I, I said this off the air, he doesn't have a good record when it comes to trades. He's got the Pavetta trade. I mean, I think a smart GM might have sold high on Pavetta a season or two ago. Um, it hasn't gone great since. He at least temporarily has found a, a role as a bulk guy. But I think, I think that's, like I said, temporary. 
it's so frustrating. I'm just so frustrated with the Heimblum era. And Sam Kennedy told Ken Rosenthal in an interview this offseason that the Red Sox are going to win the World Series in 2023. So that was the expectation. That must have been the expectation. Those must have been the conversations that Bloom and Kennedy were having. And now he has to punt again. There's just no pitching. When it comes to free agency, he's failed epically when it comes to starting pitching. Who's our top pitching prospect now? I don't think Bayo is a prospect anymore. I think he's a major leaguer now. So go look at Shane Drohan's numbers in in Worcester. He just got lit up the other night. Six earned runs, I think four walks. He was a cute story for the first half of the year, but nothing to be excited about. Brandon Walter has pitched out of the bullpen. Not very well, but he's like a, a top three or four pitching prospect in our system. I don't know if Brian Mata is ever going to make his major league debut at this point. This is so bad. It, it's just a colossal failure. And every winter, I just signing after signing, I'm like, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. Every winter. And, you know, I, I guess, you know, I was wrong on the Renfro one. Not that that was, you know, not that he went off. I mean, we shipped him anyway after the season was done. Um, I don't know if you will you can say I was wrong about Waka. I think his lack of durability played a role in us not making the postseason. He pitched well when he was healthy, but that was only for about four months out of the season. And the one, the one I was totally wrong about, and I'll, I'll probably eat crow for the rest of my life, was the Yoshida signing. Uh, that, that's the, that was my biggest whiff. But other than that, it, everything has been underwhelming or a massive failure. And I'm really uncomfortable that this guy is going to be blowing us up again. It's just, it's a summer tradition now for Red Sox fans. How bad are we going to blow it up? I'm just so tired of it. Micah, what do you think? If you tell me the Red Sox play 500 until the All-Star break, so they go into the or go into the trade deadline, if they go into the deadline five games over 500 and they're anywhere between two and three games out, I don't want to see them do what they did last year because by trading Christian Vasquez, you were punting on the season. Like he was a, a a very big leader in the clubhouse and he was your, your backstop that worked with the pitching staff so well. That was the white flag last year. They didn't add anybody and you traded your starting catcher. So they, they, they punted last year without really punting like they should have. They should have traded more um, based on the fact that they didn't bring back Martinez. They didn't bring back Bogarts. Like they, they had an opportunity to get more prospects and they didn't do it. This year, if you're in the same spot two or three games out of the wild card, I don't know why you would do the same thing that you did last year. I, that doesn't make any sense, especially with the fact that Kennedy said, yeah, we're going to win the World Series. Well, if you're going to do that, you don't do that when you're two games out of a playoff spot. You go and you add a piece. And I really hope 
that they add a back-end starter so they're not bullpenning two games every five. Uh, I think that would really help this team. It would help the the bullpen, obviously, so they're not being taxed. I'm hoping that they go out and they add a number four, a number five starter. They don't need an ace. I mean, they could use an ace, but I don't think many Red Sox fans would say, yeah, go get an ace with this current roster. I, I don't know if an ace makes them a World Series contender, and I don't think it's worth more, worth mortgaging the future for a, a, a guy who is a – like a Lucas Giolito, who's a rental. I don't think that makes sense. But I'm hoping a f- number four, number five starter. We talked off the air. There's a lot of pieces coming back or could come back. Chris Sale could come back. That's a guy that could help this rotation if he's healthy. Garrett Whitlock threw today and said he felt pretty good. That's a guy that if he's healthy, he can definitely help the pitching staff in some capacity. Tanner Houck coming back. Trevor Story, he's coming back. Yes, we don't know exactly what version we'll get right away, but Trevor Story is 10 times better than what's been in at shortstop all season long. So there, there's reinforcements coming, and if you just give this team just a little bit of a jolt, you know, maybe they say, all right, let's go. You know, we uh, the front office is giving us something. It doesn't always take – the big, big splash. You don't have to be the winners of the trade deadline to have a, a, a huge final two months. Steve Pierce was not a huge splash, but boy, did he turn into a huge splash. You don't need to give up a top three prospect to acquire a, a huge player to, to really improve the roster. There's players out there that can do that. Um, and I'm hoping that they do they, they they invest in this team because even though they've been up and down, they still have the opportunity to essentially control their own destiny. They they they're two games out. Like you said before, Jason, the AL East, even the Rays, I have huge question marks with the Tampa Bay Rays moving forward because their pitching has been depleted and they haven't played well now for about 40 games. I think they're 20 and 21 in their last 41 games. So other than Baltimore, they're going to play another two series against Tampa Bay. Go out and prove that you can play against them. You have two more series against the Blue Jays, two more series against the Yankees. They have opportunities in front of them, but if they don't add, I don't see how they can compete. Um, and really say, yep, we're going to try and make a playoff spot. I just don't see it with the current roster unless they add. I do not want the Red Sox to sell, and for a multitude of reasons. One, they're still in it. They're still so in it that if you were to sell, it would it would send such a bad message to the fan base. It would send a bad message to the clubhouse. You don't want to do that again. And – there's also not a piece that the Red Sox have that if they sold it, you could say, oh, they could get a top five prospect for him. Maybe Alex Verdugo, maybe, if a team got really desperate. But that's it. No one's giving you a top five prospect for James Paxton. As good as he's been this year, you're not getting a top five prospect for him. He's in his mid-30s. He's a bad injury history. You might get a top 20, but that's it. You're not getting a top five prospect for a Kenley Jansen. You're not getting a top five for a Justin Turner. Your best trade assets are either, you know, your young guys who Bloom doesn't want to give up or guys that are in their mid to late 30s. And you don't get top prospects for those guys. So 
I'm against that because, you know, as much as I'm not for the whole like aging veteran roster thing, Justin Turner has been great here. He's worked out like a gem. Kenley Jansen has been pretty good. A few blips on the radar, but he's been pretty good. He stabilized that closer role. James Paxton, who, you know, last year I really guess I wanted him off this roster. I thought it was like a dumb signing at the time. I thought it was a dumb waste of money. He's been worth it this year. But if you can't get a top prospect for these guys, then why trade him? Why do that? Instead, why don't you just sort of like what Mike has suggested? You don't have to make the big splash. You don't have to, you know, send out your top prospects for, I don't know, a Scherzer or an Otani or, you know, like anything like that. Why not talk to the Cardinals and say, hey, you guys just DFA Genesis Cabrera, a 26-year-old left-hander who at one time had a lot of promise. They just DFA'd him. Talk to them about him. Go get that guy. And then while you're at it, say, hey, is Jordan Montgomery available? You could use another starter. The Cardinals aren't going anywhere. They're a dumpster fire. They're done. Their season's over. Talk to them about a guy like that, that you wouldn't have to give up a Marcelo Mayer or a Rafaela or a Nick York or anything like that. Maybe one of your lower level prospects. And that's the part that concerns me a little bit. So as much as I want the Red Sox to go out and buy and make a minor move, I am very concerned about High and Bloom having to trade any of his guys, right? Guys that he's either drafted or developed or, you know, guys that make up the the farm system that allows the Red Sox to be in these, you know, uh, baseball prospectus or, you know, baseball America rankings where they're, you know, all of a sudden jumping numbers every single year. That's the part I worry about. I worry about a team saying, well, yeah, we'll give you Montgomery and Genesis, Genesis Cabrera, uh, but we want, I don't know, uh, Shane Drohan, or, or we want Sedan Raffaella, or we want, you know, just any of these prospects that Bloom covets too much, and then he'll walk away from the table. And that's the part that concerns me. So as much as I don't want them to sell, because one, I don't think you should in this position, and two, I don't trust Haim to do it. I also don't trust him to buy properly because we've seen it in years past. The trade deadline, the prices go up and teams tend to trade a lot of high prospects for guys that you wouldn't expect. Um, I don't know if Bloom's willing to do that. And that concerns me a lot because he should. You, Not all of your prospects are going to work out. You can't keep all of them. You have so many shortstops in your farm system now. They're not all going to play for you. Like at the end of the day, that I what I assume is that the goal, part of the reason why you let Sandra Bogarts walk, is that Marcelo Mayer, in hopefully two years' time, is going to be your everyday shortstop. So you can't keep all of them. You know, is Nick York going to be your everyday second baseman at some point? I don't know. Hopefully. Where's Sadan Raffaella going to fit? Your outfield's full. You've got Yoshida for a number of years. Jaron Duran has emerged. Alex Verdugo might get a contract extension. He might not. Who knows? But he might. So at the end of the day, you're going to run out of room. You can't keep all these guys. We talked about it on the last show. Blaze Jordan. Where's he going to fit? He's a third baseman. You've got Rafael Devers for the next eight years. 
Where's Blaze Jordan going to go? What's the point of hanging on to him? So I just hope Bloom sees that, and I hope that it's not just I'm stockpiling these guys because I want the best farm system in baseball. I hope it's that I'm stockpiling them because I'm going to eventually package them and make a deal and get a frontline starter, whoever that is, or even a back-end starter. Just trade one of the lower-level guys. But I have huge concerns about his willingness to part with any of his prospects. I think that he covets them too much. I think that he believes that that's the way to build a team, and he could trade for like a Jordan Montgomery at the deadline and give up his number 18 prospect, but he might look at that and go, no, the number 18 prospect's too valuable because in a year or two's time, he might be a number nine prospect. So I'm not going to make the deal for a 30-year-old starter. So that's the part that I worry about. I just don't know if he has it in him to part with any of his prospects. I think with the, the trading of prospects, like Terry, you were talking about where does the pitching come from? I would hope that they would trade from a position of depth like Blaze Jordan, who is kind of landlocked by Devers and Casas. Like, don't trade your pitching. I, they they do have some some promising arms in the lower levels of the minors, so nothing that's going to help them anytime soon. But you have to keep your pitching in the system because eventually you need arms to come up to the big leagues and help you. So if you keep trading those guys away, you're not going to have anything to replace what you lose. So trading from a, of a position of depth, like blaze Jordan or one of the shortstops, I think that's the, hopefully that's the plan because like you said, they can't have all these shortstops play and they're not going to all go to the outfield when the outfield's pretty locked. So eventually the position players, yeah, they're easier. They're probably more um, sure things because they're easier to develop. There's less risk with injuries, um, which is fine if that's the way you want to go. But now's the time to trade them. They haven't made a big trade in quite some time. They didn't make a big trade in 2019. They were completely out of it in 2020. 2021, they acquired Schwarber for a very low-level prospect, and Robles, it was a, it, it was a, such a small prospect. And then last year, they, they didn't buy anybody. So they've, they haven't made any trades to the system in quite some time. There's no reason they can't make a small addition and, and improve this ball club. I think for the, I mean, Haim is on record in the last three or four days saying he would like a back end of the rotation guy, which makes sense. That's Bloominomics 101. Uh, and then a right-handed reliever. So he's setting the bar somewhat low in terms of what he's potentially going to buy. But you don't hear him saying the following things. You don't hear him saying, I believe this team could make a deep playoff run. You don't hear him say, I really want to invest in this team at the trade deadline. Like, like hinting there could be some aggressive moves. Uh, you know, whether it's, you know, lower level guys, mid level guys, whatever. You're not hearing that. Um, 
there, there's just no indication that the Red Sox really want to win right now. And when Eddie Romero, who's, I think, like an assistant GM, I don't know what his title is, but there's him, there's Brian O'Halloran, there's Raquel Ferreira. They're all the most highly ranked people in that front office. When you have Eddie Romero saying we have very little margin for error and he's making those comments and not Bloom, kind of makes me wonder, you know, how has Bloom lost a little bit of influence in that front office? And when you go back to like, you know, May and June when things were kind of up and down, and I think we, we've been as far as three games under 500 at certain points in that. You have to imagine that there's text messages going from Sam Kennedy to Tom Warner, perhaps even John Henry to Sam Kennedy. Like, what the heck's going on here? Why aren't we why aren't we competitive? It just makes me wonder if their mind is already made up on Bloom. Like, there's no reason for them not to buy right now. There's really no reason. You look at the 2021 Atlanta Braves. They were sub 500 on August 1st. They win the World Series three months later. <laughs> what a world. Um, not, clearly not the world the, the Red Sox front office lives in. But but I just wonder, what, what more does the Red Sox front office need to see? And when you go back to last year's deadline... I really believe ownership put a mandate on Bloom. No, we're not getting rid of Nathan Avaldi. No, we're not getting rid of Michael Waka. We're not going to try to trade J.D. Martinez. We need to try to win. So they traded Vasquez. There might have been one more minor move. Then you get Tommy Pham and you get Eric Hosmer. And I thought those were interesting. I'm like, well, okay, let's see. Um, you know, Tommy Pham has always been a high on base guy and maybe, maybe Eric Hosmer rekindles it, you know, on this magical run in the second half, like you've seen some players do. And I really believe ownership stepped in front of Bloom and saying, we're not, we're not full scale blowing this up. Our, our fans don't want to see that. So I'm wondering what the mandates are this year. It's 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 a very weird time to be a Red Sox fan, and it, it doesn't matter if you're on my side of the fence, being extremely anti-Bloom, or if you're extremely pro-Bloom. They got to be uncomfortable too, and they've been defending him to the nines all season long. All season long, they've defended every little thing and keep preaching that this team could be competitive, that this team is better than what its record says. <clears throat> and then Bloom might sell on them. He might throw his whole faction of Red Sox fans under the bus. Like, that might happen. Like, it's just such a weird time, and it's hard to interpret everything. But like I said a few minutes ago, you don't hear Heim pounding his chest saying we're you know we're gonna try to win this thing and look at the american league right now who's the who's the front runner i guess texas right either texas or baltimore yeah but are either of those teams like blowing you away like it's there for the taking 
and and the Red Sox don't want to take it. There's no there's no indicators right now that they want to take it. And look at what Baltimore just did. They went out and got Fujinari from Oakland. They already made a move. They're they're already saying, hey, we already had Yannier Cano and Felix Batista in the back end of our bullpen. We also want to add this guy who throws absolute bullets. And I don't know what ranked prospect they gave up, but they were willing to do it. You know, they they acted before anyone else did. And I think part of what makes this year so weird as a Red Sox fan is there's definitely a divide. I don't care what anyone says. There's definitely a divide between the manager and the GM because you've got Bloom and Eddie Romero saying, you know, well, you know, there's little margin for error and, you know, we'll see how the club performs over the next several weeks to determine what we're going to do. And then you have Alex Cora saying, well, it's not about what, you know, your prospect ranking is or how many prospects you have. It's about playing games in October. Alex Cora flat out said, I want to win. I want to go to the playoffs. I want to be playing in October. F your prospect rankings. I don't care. I don't care how many, you know, nice shortstop uh, prospects you have. I want to play in October. That was Cora basically calling out the front office and saying, do something, make a move because you have too many prospects. Congratulations on your ranking, but I need a fifth starter. I need another starting pitcher in that rotation. I can't keep doing bullpen games. I'm doing my best to piece it together, but this is not going to work. So Cora is telling them, make a move. And they're telling him, don't lose games because if you lose games then we're going to sell. So I think there's a clear divide between those two. As far as ownership, I think they, if I had to guess, I think they probably side with Cora because let's face it, Cora was suspended for cheating and they basically kept his seat warm for him and said, yeah, no, we'll bring you back. Don't worry about it. Um, I think they like what Bloom's doing in terms of pulling the farm system, keeping the payroll low. They still put butts in the seats, all that. But I think if Cora goes to ownership and says, Hey, like we're doing bullpen games two out of every five days. Like this, this isn't going to work. Like you need to push them to make a move. I think that Bloom might get a call from Kennedy or Werner or whoever is paying attention on the ownership side these days, who knows who that is, but he might get a call from them saying, look, we're how many games out of the wild card and you're not going to trade for a starter. Like, no, come on, do something here. So hopefully that's what happens. You look at the the two moves that have happened so far in terms of trades, the Rangers acquired Chapman and they did that. Like I think two over a little over two weeks ago and the Orioles just acquired the A's reliever while the A's or the, the Orioles and the Rangers, they're the top two teams in the American league. They clearly want to win and they didn't wait. There's no reason if Heimblum really wants to add a a seventh inning right hander, why can't he go out and do it right now? You know, you are taxing your bullpen game after game after game with these bullpen games. Go out and add an arm to help this bullpen to get through this stretch. And maybe you improve the bullpen and you give yourself more opportunities to win. And then you know on August 1st, we are indeed buyers because we already improved the bullpen a bit. Now we can buy. I don't understand why they have to wait until August 1st. I know teams typically 
want to wait because there's more leverage and more um, there's more sense of urgency, but you don't have to wait. Even the the A's reliever, I just I'm gonna butcher his name. I'm not gonna even say it, but he's he's a wild pitcher, but that was 102 miles an hour. Like, take a chance on that guy. Give me that guy over Joe Jakes. Like, I they need a right-hander. They don't need Joe Jakes or the lefty who can't get lefties out. So go make a small move, improve the bullpen, and then give yourself some more time to see how well you're actually doing. But this is the Boston Red Sox. They really haven't been, you know, big-time buyers in a long time. Go out and make a move. It doesn't have to be a big buy, but go out and buy. There's no reason they are non-competitive in September and they're playing meaningless games. They may not be in the top wild card spot, but they absolutely should be competing for a wild card spot in the last week of the season. There's no, there's no reason for that. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned the bullpen too, because starting pitching, I think, is what we all want for them to go after, but. The bullpen should be addressed too, because you know you're relying on you're relying on those guys, but you're also overtaxing Kenley Jansen, who's 35 and has had heart issues in the past. Chris Martin, who's 37. John Schreiber, who until the Red Sox got him, never pitched a lot of innings and it was already hurt this year. Um, you know you're putting those guys through their paces, so they could use another arm. And that's why I brought up Genesis Cabrera, the guy from St. Louis. I know he hasn't really worked out there, but he's 26, 26 year old left-hander who at one time was a promising prospect with them. Um, you know, could use a change of scenery. Cause again, St. Louis is a dumpster fire right now. They should be aggressive at the very least. If you want to wait a little bit on the starting pitching market and make sure it doesn't get out of control before you, you know, enter it fine. But for a bullpen arm, that's something you can do anytime. You can get bullpen arms really quickly and really early, and you should do it before all the good relievers are off the market and all of a sudden there's no one left to trade for. So, yeah, I think that's a great point, Micah. Like, they should absolutely, in terms of the bullpen at least, you know, starting pitching, if you want to wait, fine. You can wait a little bit. Bullpen, they should be going out and at least getting one more arm because – Chris Martin's already been hurt this year. Kenley Jansen, you know, has been healthy for the most part, but like he does have that injury history. These guys are not spring chickens anymore. Like go out and get somebody to supplement those guys and then get a starting pitcher after that. They should absolutely be doing that. And did you see what the the Rangers gave up for Chapman? Low level prospects. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. Like you don't have to go crazy expensive for a reliever. You're giving up Maybe, maybe 18, 19, 20, or someone out of your top 20. You cannot hold on to those type of players with the idea that, oh, they could become a top 10 prospect. That is ridiculous if that's what they're doing. And uh, I was just looking up the uh, Shintaro Fujinami uh, trade that Baltimore uh, made with Oakland. Now, Fujinami's ERA is 8.57. That looks terrible, right? Well, in his last 15 games, it's 2.70. He's pitched 16 and two-thirds innings that, uh, since then, uh, only given up five earned runs, has a whip of 1.08, which is pretty solid. 
cut that in half, just his last seven appearances, uh, one of which was against the Red Sox. He has a 2.25 ERA with a 0.50 whip. So he's he's on the upswing, and the prospect that Baltimore gave up for him was Easton Lucas, who projects to be a uh, reliever, and he's nowhere in Baltimore's top 30. <laughs> so he's uh, it, it was a one-for-one deal, and like Jason said, I mean, y- you can get a reliever anytime you want. You can get one anytime. Um, That move should have been made a month ago if they wanted to do it. You probably get a low-end starter as well. I mean, you got that Kyle Baraclaw kid in the minors, but they don't seem to want to put him up. I don't know if that's a 40-man roster thing that they just, they don't want to, they don't want to release anyone to open up a spot for him. I, I don't know, but. Man, this this team is just not trying to win. Not even trying. Not active on the market. Not making moves. It's it's painful. In a way, I think that the the Roman Anthony scenario where he suddenly propelled up the the Red Sox uh, prospect rankings, I think that hurt them in a way at least for this year because now I think Bloom in that front office is looking at every low-level minor leaguer and saying, well, yeah, we could give him up for a reliever, but what if that turns into the next Roman Anthony and we miss out on that? I think they're so afraid of missing out on the next big guy coming up through their system that they just, again, they're just going to hoard all these prospects and just hope that they all work out. And I just, I think you, you sacrifice the short term too much when you do that, because again, not all these guys are going to play. Roman Anthony may not turn into anything. Yeah, he made a leap this year, but who knows? You know, he might get called up to the next level and turn into Lars Anderson or you know another failed prospect through the system. Like, it just it's so frustrating that like they're just so high on every single young kid, and they're going to let major league proven talent just pass them by and let other teams in the American League or wherever else pick them up while they fall behind. And that's that's what I worry about. So as much as I don't want them to sell, I also don't trust them to buy. That's where I am right now. And that's a weird place to be because for a team that's a few games out of the wild card, you would like to think, oh, yeah, no, we'll be in on this guy. We'll be in on that guy. I'm not sure the Red Sox will be. I really don't. It's just a weird place. So – Any other thoughts before we wrap up? All right. Well, we will wrap on that. So, again, trade deadline 11 days away. So we'll see what happens. Red Sox have some tough matchups in between now and then. So we'll see how they do. We'll see if uh, that twists their fates at all. But uh, as for now, they've got the Mets this weekend. Interesting series against a team that has also underperformed. But – um, we'll see how they do back home at, at friendly Fenway. So they control their own destiny at this point. Hopefully they seize on it. So we will wrap on that. We'll see you guys, uh, for the post series recap with the weekend crew for the Mets. And, uh, until then everyone take care. <laughs>